Hey, welcome to episode 35 of the City SC Report. I'm Steve and this is Joe. Hi there, Joe. Hey. And welcome once again to our good friend, Michael Hafner. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Michael, it's been a while. Welcome back. Yeah, I know. It has been. The season's been flying by, as we know, and it's been far too long since I've been on, so I appreciate the invite. Yeah, you're welcome, and it's, it's, it helps that uh, we have nice, positive things to talk about. Those are always the best episodes. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for not inviting me to uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we're, oh, we're on a five-game losing yeah. streak. No. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, glad you can make it. And uh, welcome to our listeners to a brand new episode. Our last recording was on July 2nd, and since then we've seen City play three games with mostly good outcomes. So we're here to go over some of that, bring you some news, some team discussion, maybe some things you've missed, and perhaps bring some entertainment to you. Maybe. Or not. We're not promising. Yeah. If you like what you hear or have suggestions or questions or criticisms, let us know. You can email us at cityscreport at gmail. You can DM us through Facebook, Twitter, or Insta. Let us know at any game. If you see us at the property... Property? <laughs> at the park. At the park. See us at the park. That's the property. Give us a high five. Yeah. City park property, right? Clink, clink our beer cans. Whatever you prefer. We'd like to hear from you. So now let's get into it. We'll start with an update on City's injury list. A video of Klaus getting in some single leg work surfaced. Our friend Chris Dolenmeyer, who is a physical therapist, by the way, commented in our Discord channel that it's a good step, but striking a ball with full power and sprinting full speed are at least a few weeks away if this is the best he's got right now. Our observation watching his uh, video of him jumping there was... Klaus is more bow-legged than you realize uh, when you watch You're him on the soccer field. Yeah, I was going to say, I've You're always noticed that. <laughs> I, I hadn't. It, it looks different on the soccer field when you're cutting constantly. You're kind of, you're in a, it's a very different motion. And uh, and we were having a conversation about like, man. Yeah. Man, he's bow-legged. <laughs> yeah, Still a lot of speculation when we might be seeing him. Same goes with Nilsson. Nilsson has been spotted at the training grounds going hard. So unless there's any setbacks, I'd say that we might be seeing him at least in a sub role, to get some game minutes very soon. I mean, we've got a month off now, technically, from kind the of. MLS season yeah. with this League's Cup around the corner. So there's a good chance by the time uh, this month, you know, this time next month, I think it's August 20th is our next MLS game yeah. um, from the time we're recording this. So uh, we might have a full uh, healthy roster by then. Not gonna yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're not the only team who's okay with that month in there. But, I, I yeah, that, that's good timing for – getting those guys back i would hope yeah because they're not going to be playing yet yeah and as we'll talk about soon Leuven return as a sub in the game at lafc and last night of course as well but here's a question for you as far as klaus and nielsen go who do you guys think we'll see first i think nielsen um you know as as we've seen now though with uh the past month uh, we have a center back problem, which is actually a good problem. And we're, that problem is going to be uh, graded even more when Nielsen comes in, you know, where the depth we have is both a struggle and a good thing where, okay, who, who do we want to have in there? Like, does Yarrow 
even though he's on this high right now, is he going to have to take a s- step back for that DP that you don't want to have a DP sitting on the bench if, right. if he's healthy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, I mean, do they change up the formation that they're running with Nilsson back? Do you, if we've got that many true center backs, do you look at a three at the back situation? Well, we've mm-hmm. kind of done that with mm-hmm. Hebert. You know, mm-hmm. we've, you've got Hebert, who's typically kind of more of a center back role. He's playing more on, on the wing. But if, you move him back into more of a true center back role into more of a three at the back. Yeah. It frees up other people to get up and down those wings differently. If you could have Nilsson Parker and Hebert as a true three at the back, not right. a, well, Hebert's a center back, but we're sticking him out wide left. Yeah. Like, cause Hebert's not a wide player. Like yeah. he's fine on that left wing, but he's not the guy who's going to be creating for you on the other end of the field. That's just not his game. So I'm wondering, yeah, do you do you run it as an actual three at the back with actual wingers pushing up who don't have defensive duties? Because that's the problem we're in with the four at the back is you can't you gotta be careful of guys getting overextended who can't get back for defensive jobs. That's if what you've I was got Nilsson and Parker and Hebert staying back on defense, though it frees up different things. So I wonder if we're gonna see different looks. Yeah, I mean I think we definitely could see different looks depending on our opponent. Like for instance like Miami, who, you know, we'll get to talking about them later. But, you know, Miami was playing extremely wide. They like had like a guy on like the sideline practically throughout mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they so did. in an instance like that where the team isn't as compact where they're gonna play more through the middle, um we can maybe go with, you know, four wide if they're playing wide or, you know, just a three if that team um, tends to play more central. It gives us different options than what we've been seeing. So I'm, I'm real curious to see if Carnell wants to play around with it or if this is the shape he likes and he's just going to make guys fit into those spots. I, I honestly don't know what he's thinking back there yet. I think the beauty is that Carnell, it does give Carnell a lot of room to play with. Like he's, he, you know we're going to see different different lineups again you know we might see Nilsson and Parker and Hebert out there at the same time but yeah he could very much change it up game by game see what's working you know see what's not well and if Nilsson's we obviously we all haven't seen him play for this team yet I mean on paper he is the best defender that this team has right. but we've seen zero minutes from him mm-hmm. so is he going to live up to the hype there you know well, i the hope chemistry. so and I, the chemistry too you know yeah. like, how does he work with parker because mm-hmm. parker has been playing so well back there and has looked very uh, he's looked happy with what he's doing mm-hmm. like he's mm-hmm. looked very secure in his position looks like he's working well with the guys around him i hope nelson and parker work well together but we haven't seen it yet we don't know there is that little bit of learning curve though you know we saw it even the first time bradley paired up um Parker with Josh Yarrow mm-hmm. that that first game I thought I'm like ah, oh, that the chemistry was a little off between yeah. the two of them in terms of communication and whatnot it's gone immensely better since yeah. then yeah. as we've seen but that that first match um, yeah there's a, there's some growing pains whenever you get a new player kind of coming in and forming those relationships and connections you know despite training together Match day experience is drastically different than, you know, practicing, training. Yeah. So, again, good problem to have because if he lives up to the hype, 
good center backs are hard to find. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of teams that have okay center backs that if you can really upgrade that position, if you can have center backs who you absolutely trust, that fixes so many things further up the field because you have guys behind you. It lets your midfielders do different things if you have center backs who are doing their job well. And if you don't, it messes with your whole midfield. I'm looking forward to seeing what that does for the whole team if we're adding strength to an area where we've actually already been playing well. All right, move on to transfer rumors. As you're probably all aware, we are almost two weeks into this transfer window, and although there have been a few rumors, nothing shaking yet. Last week I wrote up a little city transfer rumor list, which you can find on our website, it's website cityscreport.com. I will say the first name on the list, uh, South African Thebo Sile, is the latest, but according to Manuel Veth, it looks like it's a little sports agent bait, if you will dangling out there in the hopes for other teams to jump on the player. Something that uh, player agents like to do around the world at times. If you don't follow Manuel Veth, he tends to be pretty tied into what's really going on. And if he's saying that now that this is people blowing smoke, uh, it probably is. But you know what? I'm happy to see St. Louis out there as a team that the people use for that kind of bait. I want... I just like that we're a believable destination for people looking for good transfers, uh, you know, as opposed to a European team or as opposed to an East or West Coast team. But you'll see uh, on this list, I do have some at least confirmed interests in uh, 23-year-old Icelandic winger forward Nokvi Thorsen, who plays for Beerschot in the Belgian second division. And the one that was first spotted in June, Conrado, a 26-year-old Brazilian defender who currently plays in Poland's top division. Both of these have been verified by, by Veth, but with Conrado, a tweet went out with from a, uh, a Twitter handler by the name of MLS Source that City had gone as far as making an offer for Conrado that was rejected. No verification on this and no follow-up, so uh, TBD, I guess. I mean, they sound like the kind of players that have been scouted by City in the past. Yeah, I could City totally believe it. Um, but thing is, I'm I'm still not totally convinced that uh, City's going to make any moves this transfer window. I think, I mean, Lutz has already talked about that. Yeah. Alluding to there will be moves, but nothing major. You know, we're not going to get the fir- big Firmino signing <clears throat> that yeah. many people yeah. thought was going to happen. Um but it'll uh, it'll be like for a, a young player, you know, real young guy maybe that can give us depth and in the meantime maybe uh, look to like develop for the future. That kind of player is what mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, depth guys rather than bringing in yeah. starters at immediate starters. But who knows? Maybe they'll prove us wrong. I mean, we we know that we could still use help on on the wings and we so. could. But again. Getting our guys back healthy will be as good as bringing in transfers. If we yeah. can get a healthy Klaus and a healthy Nilsson, that's a better July than a lot of people will be seeing. Right. So if we can come yeah. back in so August and, and like have those guys, that, that's like, that is it's a success like for transfer a signing. Yeah. Yep, exactly. On the outgoing rumor mill, uh, Beth also tweeted that Villarreal has shown interest in AZ Jackson. That goes along with earlier reports that teams from Bundesliga are also keeping an eye on him. 
Now, of course, this is one of those where uh, uh, it would be great for him, you know, if he went to a team like Villarreal and uh, good financially for City, but selfishly, I don't, I don't like it. I want. <laughs> We'd hate to see him I go. I want to you know? hold on to him so badly. It's um, he's one of those players, and it. Many people have kind of talked about this too, like. There's a fearlessness about the way he plays where he goes into tackles or he isn't afraid to push up. And it's just, it's not like a a reckless, uncontrolled energy that, you know, you sometimes see with Miggy, Mm -hmm. for instance. Mm -hmm. With AZ, it is a focused energy that he provides. And it, the the best way to describe it is like a fearlessness. Yeah. there's not there's not many players that have that at that age right. you know where he's playing almost like this confident 30 something yeah. year old who's had many years he's experience. not quite polished but you could tell that he can get there very yeah. quick yeah. there's so much upside there yeah it, it would not shock me if he were to leave uh something what we need to be predicting here is just it, it's not is he going to leave eventually? I, I I would not be surprised if he ends up in Europe eventually. It's a matter yeah. of are, are we do we think he is going to actually get snatched up right away now at this transfer window? Or are we looking at end of the year, middle of next year? What do we? Uh... Oh. I don't know. It makes me so sad. I don't even want to. I, I don't even want to predict, man, But that's the I, thing. I we love having to, him on our team. I was going to say he's one of I, our top three midfielders. In yeah, the but that's why. When he's that good at the age that he is, and like you said, there's a lot of to his game that you don't necessarily see in every midfielder's game. That's why he's. I, I don't think he's gonna. This is not a guy who's gonna spend his career with us, and we're all as St. Louis City fans gonna have to get used to the idea that most teams in the world are selling teams. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, we talk about MLS as a league that sells on, but. I was having this conversation, uh, you know, last night after the game, talking about it's not even most leagues like MLS selling to Europe. Most teams in Europe can't hold on to those players. If you're not Man City, if you're Mm -hmm. not Real Madrid, if you're not Bayern Munich, your players could get poached at any time. If you're finishing fifth in the Premier League, every player you have right now might be leaving right now in July if they're good. And you just have to get used to it. yeah, and at the end of the day, the owners are there to make money. Like, yes, Carolyn and, and her team are, are proud St. Louisans, and they want to do right by the fans and all mm-hmm. of that, but at the end of the day, they yeah. it is a business. They're here to make money. But if the successful teams at this level are the ones that reinvest that money correctly, so that's if you're going to sell somebody like that onto Europe, who are you bringing in behind them? Who is coming in to fill in those spots? That's the real question. We have not had time to see that yet with this team. We don't know. Are they going to come up with a bunch of talent this year, have a fantastic first season, sell five guys off, and then just trust that we got five academy guys right now who can take those spots over? Because that's not a – you've got to constantly be bringing in the new guys. Um, and if they can do that well – that's sustainable soccer, and if not, they're going to be in trouble. I, I can see, you said as far as predicting, I can see, I mean, there's all kinds of possibilities, but I could see one of two things happening, really. Um, either one, a team like that does buy them, 
but perhaps loans him to St. Louis to finish out the season. Might not make sense for as far as Europe, but also got to think it's not like he's going to Villarreal to be a starter. You know, no. he's not going to, you know, they, they see his potential as a player. So it's not like he's going over there to make the starting 11. They would bring him over. They just, they want that player under their wing. I mean, the, there's a good chance they would take him and loan him out somewhere else anyway. The so, other thing is, yeah, wait till the summer. They, they might, you know, a team like that might buy him in the summer. Well, look at Matt Turner. Matt Turner, MLS mm-hmm. starting goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you know, gets purchased by Arsenal. Everyone's all excited. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Look how many starting yep. caps he's had with Arsenal. Yep. Not that many. FA Cup. And you know, that's about it. there's very few. So, um, with AZ, like, as good as he is, and even mm-hmm. though we want him to continue to grow, I don't know if... He'll get experience, but not as much as experience as he would in the MLS. Yeah. Like it's that that's the that's the kind of weird trade off where it's like you get some good mentors over there, you get to learn in their system. Mm-hmm. Um, but who does he get loaned out to? Because he would if he got signed by a big enough club, he would get loaned out elsewhere yeah. in Europe. Exactly. So where does he land there, and is that place a good fit? Right. Yeah. So are we? So what do we think? Are we losing anybody significant now in the transfer window? I mean, he's the only one that would seem... That the rumors are already swirling. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, I, I haven't heard anybody else. I, I think we have guys who, if they'd been healthy, would, would be in more danger of getting, uh, you know, grabbed there. But yeah. I, I'm kind of thinking at this point that Jackson's not leaving now... In this transfer window, no. I, I don't think he's going to be spending his whole career here. I think he is destined for bigger things. Right. Uh, yeah. In the same way that I think Blom, if he stays healthy, is destined for bigger things. I don't yeah. think Blom plays point. here for the next decade. I think Blom plays here this year and next year and, and goes to Europe. Yep. You know what? He's we off can, to Netherlands or somewhere like we that. We can all be grateful that uh, we're not Nashville right now, who is looking like they're going to be losing Honey Mukhtar, which... Uh, Besides the fact they've only won one in their last six uh, and not doing well at the moment, yeah, uh, they're really about to lose off. their only real star. They're, so. they're a different team without them, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's put a pin in that for now and let's talk about uh, those last three matches. I think we'll do kind of what we did last episode where we won't entirely do a deep dive on each match, primarily for time reasons, but also I think it makes more... it. It makes an episode more interesting this way. So we can break down some facts from the two road games at Toronto and at LAFC and then comment on some things that stood out from each. Uh, That'll give us more time to spend talking about last night's game versus Miami and what's coming up for City. So we'll begin with the game on July 8th at Toronto. City was looking for a nice road win, looking at Toronto, who had so many players out, including both DPs for this match. But also knowing that Toronto plays best at home, had a feeling it wouldn't be a cakewalk, and it really wasn't. Mm -mm. Uh, Not at all. City went with a 4-1-2-1-2, the same lineup we've been seeing the last couple matches. Berkey, Hebert, Parker, Yarrow, Watts, Blom, Stroud, Vasilev, AZ, and then Big Sam and Nico up top. 0-0 at the half. Second half, Watts snuck in a pretty little pass into the box to find AZ. And he scored to make it 1-0, which ultimately was the final score. Any comments from that game? I like to see the road win over a bad team. 
Mm-hmm. If if you know you're playing a bad team, let's say a struggling team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure I'll give them that. I yeah. think uh, I think Toronto are actually just a bad team this yeah. year. Well, they can't win at home, but they can draw, just like they did last night. But but that's the thing. If you're playing a, a, so a that's, team, that, that's why I mean they're struggling, not not yeah. bad, because a bad team loses even at home. A struggling team can at least mm. pull out a draw. I just want to argue with, with the parity in MLS. You could say nobody's ever completely out of it. I mean, that's true. Nine teams would make the playoffs. Ten teams, you know, it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's if you're gonna let the top nine into the playoffs, you're, you're gonna get some bad teams that make the playoffs, and they're gonna say, "Well, we made the playoffs. We can't be bad." Right. Mm-hmm. Look, we're a playoff team. Um, I, Toronto are a bad team, but going on the road all the way to Canada, you know. Cross time zones, knowing you've got other games coming up, knowing the schedule's going to get clogged. Coming away with three points is a very big deal. It doesn't matter if they're bad. Getting a full three points out of the bad teams is what's keeping them on top of the conference and is what's not happening uh, with some of the teams just behind us. That they're not finishing off some of the teams that they should. And we saw that here when Portland came to (coughs) St. Louis. You know, but... Otherwise, we've been beating a lot of the teams we're supposed to beat, and mm-hmm. that's what you have to do. Yeah, at this point in the season, you know, since we're past the halfway point, we need to be collecting points for playoffs. Um, it wasn't a pretty game by any means. It's certainly frustrating in just our play developing. I think, like, one of the highlights for me, I think Strode and um, Adenarin both had some really good crosses into the box that match. Yeah, the crosses were good, but the story every single game is we do not put enough shots on frame agreed and while or the shots on frame aren't likely chances like for instance miggy skied a ball not once but twice oh yeah and like the 70th and 74th and like not even close just i try to put that memory out memory out of my yeah and it's just it's it's things like that where like he's so desperate and hungry where you you need to use your head, you know, and yes, I know it's getting late in, into the game and you want that insurance goal to, you know, to really seal the deal. And it's just... He saw the opportunity twice and wanted to take it and, and thought it, he had a chance. And yeah. yeah and I don't even necessarily mind him taking it at that point, but if you're, if you're going to take it, you've got to make the keeper make a save. Yeah. If you're going to sky it over the, the goal, then that wasn't the right shot to take. Yeah. You clearly didn't have the angle on it that you thought you had. You've got to make better choices than that because you can't score if it's not a shot on goal. So yeah. if it's going to be over the bar, look for a different angle or look to pass it off. And this team has a tendency to, yeah, like you said, take shots that are not likely chances or to hold the ball a little too long or crosses come in. And there were there were some nice crosses in that mm-hmm. game that didn't get converted into shots that yeah. need to be converted into shots. The problem I see in home games is home fans screaming for them to shoot at dumb times. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, if you, people listening, if that's you <laughs> yelling at them to shoot when it's not time to shoot... Stop it. Get help. We love you. There's counselors yeah. out Stop. there. No. There's, for real. Uh, people, take the shot when a guy has three defenders on him. Well, don't take that shot. Right. There needs to be more shots, but you've got to be smarter about it. And yeah, the ones you're going to sky over the bar, that's not a smart shot. Yeah. That is, that's a desperate shot. That's a looking for anything. Uh, we need to take more actual, legit chances that really trouble the goalkeeper. 
So luckily we did walk away with a 1-0 win. Uh, that was Jackson's first MLS goal and for Watts his first MLS assist. It was Berkey's sixth clean sheet of the season and his 150th clean sheet on his professional, professional career. City created three chances and took 17 shots, six on target. Toronto had 12 shots, three on target. City with 14 fouls and two yellows. Toronto with 10 fouls and one yellow card. And even the six shots on target weren't all great, but... Give them some credit, man. But we scored... Uh, Jackson's was... He created a yeah. shot out of kind of nothing. There wasn't really room. He made a play happen and just made it happen. That's that's why you do that. You make that shot happen because sometimes it goes in and you, you've created something. So well, good on him. making the team of the week. Yeah. That's right. And deservedly, that was a, that's a good play. And obviously the difference maker in a game. From Toronto, City flew to L.A. for their midweek game at LAFC, Wednesday, July 12th. With the lineup for this one, Carnell decided to break up that lineup that was working so well during that three-game win streak. In particular, was starting Bell over Parker and restoring Nelson and Nerwinski on both defensive wings. There was a lot of worry from fans online that something must be wrong with Parker. Is he suspended, hurt, etc.? Nope, neither was the case that Carnell simply chose to rest him. So... Carnell went with a 4-4-1-1, Nelson, Bell, Bartlett, Nerwinski, Celio, Vasilev, Blom, and Alm, Ostrock as the number 10, and Nico up top by himself. This was a uh, real back-and-forth battle, nil-nil at half, up until that 68th minute when City made some subs. Hebert came in for Bell, Big Sam for Nico, and Leuven finally coming into a game for Celio. And actually, I want to talk about the subs because yeah, uh, that's what I was just about to say. While we're Hebert didn't get, have a good game. <laughs> that's all right. We, we've got two different situations going on with the subs there. Um, discussing with my brother Tim after the game, and he was saying you should never change your center backs during a game. That that's the that's your problem right there. Don't sub a center back unless there's an injury. Well, just it's just as a general rule. Barring injury, you do not sub a center back. All right. I agree, but two things about that. One, I think because, I mean, this was, Bell doesn't start. I mean, this is way beyond his capabilities. You could tell he had a a fantastic game, doing well. I think he was starting to tire out, and he was sitting on a yellow. Yeah, but obviously... With hindsight, it didn't work. It didn't. Right, it, right. So we can say. But that. ideally, it should have. I, I, That's the thing. Steve, Steve I, I actually agree with both of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You've got already sort of a a risk in starting Bell. He gets the yellow. What do you do at this point? A right. player that's a little bit more inexperienced, a little bit greener, with a team like LA, who their counter press was working extremely well. That that game, so it's like, yeah. do you put him at risk going a man down against an LA team like that? It's just, but yeah. but then you got to say you thought he earned the start. If you thought he earned the start in LA, then but you didn't think he's That's not the game you great. start him. That's the whole. That was that's what it comes weird, down to. Yeah. You don't start right. Bell that game. Starting you Bell, start Bell at yeah. Toronto. That, or yesterday's game at Miami, you don't start him versus one of the best teams in MLS. I really think LAFC. My thought process there is Carnell is doing the math in his head. He's saying, if you start Bell in Toronto, 
you might not get three points. And then you start Parker in L.A., and you still come away with zero points in yeah. a closer game. Is that really what you want? Right. You're trying to maximize points, not prettiness of the game. I'm sure is yeah. what he's thinking. And I see what you're talking about. He's on a yellow. He's more inexperienced. He's not hasn't been getting 90 out. minutes. He's, right. But obviously that one didn't work. The other side of it, though, they made offensive subs. I saw chatter online from fans that oh see st louis tried to play for the tur- for the draw and screwed it up i don't think they were playing for the draw no. uh, you don't bring you don't bring in Leuven no after an injury Lu- against a very physical la right. team Leuven and sam at the same time yeah. those are two guys who you're bringing in to create stuff on offense yeah you you don't you leave Leuven on the bench and give him another week if you're playing for the draw you don't bring him those are good offensive subs, and when they happened during the game, I was thinking, "Great, this this is good offensive subs. This is what I want to see." It's been a very tight match, very end to end. I was pretty sure it was not going to end nil nil. I thought mm-hmm. pe- somebody was going to score, and I was hoping those subs were going to make it us. I think there was also some talk too of it being a tactical lineup to kind of keep in the back of our heads that we're going to be potentially playing L.A. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And so do you show your all your cards, mm. or your best hand, yeah. if you will, uh, up front with our very first game against L.A. Mm-hmm. when we also are going to be playing them later this season at home right. and most likely in the playoffs. So, um, That's yeah, an interesting thought, but yeah, I don't know how point. much you want to realistically... But it's also you're you're trying to be realistic too, where winning against LAFC on the, their, on the road, like that's that's tough, that's tough. So again, you're not necessarily playing for the draw, but you're just being realistic in terms of expectations. But I think the Leuven and Sam subs will show that Carnell was trying to do what he could do. Yeah. Um. You know, we were hoping to sneak away with points there. I I, I don't think he erred on the side of being too cautious. The Hebert sub for Bell didn't work, but we can see what he was thinking. I, I don't think he mismanaged the game. You do have to rotate your lineup if you're going to be playing three games in eight days. You can't run the same lineup. You would just the expect the rotation to be against Miami, the worst right. team in the yeah. <laughs> one, yeah. one of the worst or teams like in the Or like I said, Toronto. Yeah. Either, either one. Yeah, I mean, you expect Toronto the, at home. Yeah, I, I yeah. get that. But you expect the rotation, but you just wouldn't expect it against yeah. one of the best teams in the MLS. Well, and like I said, you also expect Hebert to come in and have a better game yeah <laughs> and and he didn't which he's not fully to fault but i mean that pass by cifuentes was the first goal amazing and, the first goal was yeah. just a really great setup by la yeah. they they made a great play they sent the guy on a, a perfect ball over the top that set it up all credit to them they there's yeah. a reason why they're a good team and it's I'll carlos Velo, so we can't really i'll say this you know it, Bradley choosing Bell and Nelson surprised me, and I like groaned when I first read that. But then both of them surprised the heck out of me. I thought both of them looked extremely strong, yeah. and I've been very vocal about um, not being the biggest fan of Nelson in yeah. the past. You're, you're not, um, which is fair, yeah. But yeah. Nelson had a surprisingly good match. He, he had did. several balls delivered in, and then he had that shot late in the game that was a freaking rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that was right. like yep. oh, just right. O- yep. He didn't sky it; like it was just right over the crossbar, and it almost 
uh, got that goal there. So, I. Um, but at the same time, towards the end of the game, he was starting to show where mm-hmm. he was starting to show that he was vulnerable. So he probably should have been subbed off as well. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, but um, did we even say what the final result was? We started no. discussing. <laughs> it was this sorry. And we didn't I mean, we, they I don't they won three nil, but um, I mean, and all the goals were in the final fifteen yeah, minutes. I think. Yeah, they were seventy uh, second. Yeah, I've noted somewhere. I don't. Uh, and then there was like a seventy second sec- minute, eighty second, and then stoppage time. Yeah, but. Um, but one thing I will point out, I do like the one thing that well, I mean, there's a lot of things, but one thing I really that really impressed me about Carnell is that by choosing these lineups that he chooses, he really does show like a lot of confidence in his players. I was telling Ellie that last night we were standing next to each other and talking about that this game, and I I said that I I was like, yeah, you know what that for a player too that's you know going into a season you're pretty much thinking, oh, I'm not going to see much time, you know, to get a start out of nowhere and, you know, because you're really proving yourself. And same thing with Nelson. You're, you pretty much have been taken out of the rotation at playing yeah. left, and now you're in for a big game against LAFC. And for 65 that's minutes. And you know you have to prove yourself. And for 65 minutes, they did. Like, the, yeah. the game was very end-to-end. It was a pretty evenly matched game, given that you're on the road against a very good team. After traveling three time zones, you know, it was a good game up until that point. Well, yeah, I was going to say 70 minutes of that, the shots on goal, even the final shots on goal for Mm -hmm. both teams were extremely low. Like our XG, I think, was like 0.46. Like, or something like it was like something like dangerously low. Like, we just, we didn't create a lot of chances. They shut down our offense. Uh, we kind of shut down theirs for the most part, except for those, you know, counters breaks that they had. And and you're going to um, get, after the first goal, you're going to get more of those as you have as to you change can, how you're playing correct. because you're behind now. You're more exposed. And that first one was just a good play. Yeah. Um, as an Arsenal fan, I can't help but compare this to the English Premier League last season. I'm sorry. I know, I know. But, hey, we were expecting it. Sorry, not sorry. We were expecting it all season. Arsenal held on to first for a vast majority of the season, always looking over their shoulder at Manchester City, only to fall apart at the end and have Manchester City win the league. That's how I feel this season. If City can hold on to that top spot in the Western Conference, I have a feeling that we'll be looking over our shoulder at LAFC all season. Well, that's what all the pundits have been saying, too, where they're more focused on... LA and Seattle coming up yeah. versus well now RSL and uh, RSL yeah, is the RSL. team. Yeah, I mean they've come out of nowhere and just yeah. except are an incredible team. Except think about if you go back in time a few months and told us this would be the conversation that the right. pundits would be having is, ooh, well LAFC are right there hanging on behind St. Louis, Seattle, mm-hmm. you know Salt Lake, they're they're threatening St. Louis. That that's. That is a beautiful conversation to be had. And I've, I've seen people argue, well, you know, the reason why LAFC isn't in first place because they were really, you know, stretched thin with the uh, CONCACAF championship and all, you know, and all that. And I get it. They do have they a were. valid point. But, well, because, you know, they made it all the way. But sure. the fact is, is that it doesn't matter. They That's how that's soccer the way works. It goes. That's, the, <laughs> that's the sport. Yeah. Exactly. We could... You can always make what-ifs for teams. Exactly. You, you have to win the game that's in front of you. And 
LA uh, drew with a a Minnesota team that's not even in a playoff position currently mm-hmm. last night. Right. So, you know, if LA really wants to show that they're that good, we've gotten to the point where the schedule has kind of evened out and they're drawing a bad team. Mm-hmm. You know, again, maybe a struggling Minnesota team there. Uh, that's if you're really that good, you win that game. I agree. So now let's go on to last night's match. Let's let's put the negatives behind us. A return home to City Park and a return to the win column. Home sweet home. City hosting a not yet messy side. A little weather delay, but then it was game on. City went back with that lineup that has been working. Berkey, Watts, Yaro, Parker, Hebert. Blom, Vasilev, Stroud, Alm, Jackson, and Big Sam up top. I like the... I like the lineup they were running out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we saw a lot of Alm alongside Sam at the beginning. We did. Three goals for City in this game, all from set pieces. A Dennern with a header off a corner kick in the 28th minute. Parker with one in the 40th minute, also from a corner. And then Leuven's big-time free kick goal in the 80th. And what a massive goal it was. Coming on as a sub for the second match in a row and to nail this kick was the chef's kiss. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean... Indy and AZ both kind of alternated between taking the corners. And, uh, you know, they both were strong. Um, AZ, though, his the fact that he not only is so good with the ball, like, at his feet, but the fact he can also deliver corners, it, just another testament to him. I, I sound like a major fanboy that I've been talking no, about I, so much. No, I get but, it. You know but, what I mean? Like, But I'm going to disagree well, with you with AZ on the corners. Most of his corners, he reminded me of Leuven, because when Leuven takes corners, he overkicks them. But he I did that on the first couple AZ. last night. He did that again. Yeah. He, he overkicked a couple. And don't but, get me wrong, I love Was AZ. it an overkick, though, or were they going for far no. post? One of them. One of because them, I think they were, there was It looked twice. like Stroud was alone when it was at RN. Does that make sense? Yeah. There was one on the, on the north end there that he clearly overkicked, uh, because in the stands we were talking about, uh, like, Oh man, they just massively overkicked it because you could watch our guys trying to backpedal to get it, how far they were trying to come from where they were starting at. That I like when that that it was not a a planned, or even if he's going for the back post, he he missed it bad. However, given how weak we looked on corners for the first couple of months of the year, corner kicks were not a strong point in the last few games. We've looked more threatening on them. Obviously, against Miami, to have two corner kick. Ones like that, it's it has gone from a clear point of weakness for the team to a point that looks better. I think now, even if Leuven is back into his starting role, I think they need to not have Leuven taking corners. I just he's a great free kick taker, but I, I think, think we're a better team when Jackson and Vassal are taking the corners than we are and, when. And Leuven I agree, is. they've definitely improved. Like it's pretty evident. Um, it's it's interesting. So Alex Langer is the goalkeeping coach at City, mm-hmm. and he also is the uh, corner uh, set piece coach as well. Yeah. And you know, I know that the the Parker goal that is just something you practice, you know, day in and day out. Like you know, having them all stacked up vertically and then making that run to the the front corner. It was just it it was placed and timed perfectly like you you practiced that a thousand times and well and if you've got the right guys if you put it 
th that's why overkicking them and stuff is such a problem because if you can put it in a guy like sam or a guy like parker might be able to beat their guy that's why you have to give them good service or else they don't get a chance to do that and and they did and and parker was parker was covered he just he won the ball anyway mm -hmm. he he made that run right that's what you do those are good corner kicks and i i'm happy to see those working for us on the other hand we're still talking about three goals off of set plays because we're not getting enough shots on goal in the run of play yeah we did have we had there, there were several more last night than expected yeah. so like strode but, had a couple yep there was that beautiful cross and where he like one timed it, it unfortunately went at the keeper yeah. it was a good save yeah. but sure. um a, he also had a couple of kicks later in the second. Um, finding more shots, though, would be a... That's an area of improvement left for this team. You know, when yeah, you're I looking agree. for things for a team in first place, what are we still... Where are the areas where they should be improving? The number of shots on goal, based on the types of possessions they're getting, should be better. Even Nico is somebody that... And it's it's become more and more evident to me where... He almost starts like overthink. Like his natural yeah. instincts aren't what they should be. So there was a cross in the second where AZ sent it in, and it went kind of between Nico. He, Nico tried to do this like behind the legs, like back kick, like over, and it was like right in front of, uh, right in front of the net. And it's like you're in front of the defender. You're at the near post. Just, just send it forward. Don't try to get cheeky with it. Don't try to get clever. Don't overthink it. Um, and yeah, it's. I feel like he's somebody that has a tendency to do these sort of more clever, like back touches or back flicks, and I and it's it, it's so frustrating. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I I definitely think you're right, which I think ties in with the fact that. I really wonder when we see a healthy Klaus, what's going to happen to Nico's minutes. I think Sam has come back from loan, looking like a guy who wants to be starting on the squad. Um, and I wonder if we're going to be seeing Klaus and Adenarin up top, and seeing Nico being used more in the sub role. I mean, that's where he came in off the bench last night. Is that going to become his role from here on out? Uh, but we also saw the chemistry between Nico and Klaus. Like, they worked well together. That's true. And they had to regain that. Though. He was able to be that setup man to Klaus, mm -hmm. which... But now that Adenarin has come back from loan playing better, are we going to see the same... Could we see that from them, too? Yeah. And I would like... I, I Again, it's a good problem to have. You yeah. would like to get... I mean, we have to get Klaus healthy first. He has to get back to actually yeah. playing in a game, which is still a few weeks away. So... Um, I, I'm real curious to see what happens with the starting lineup at, at that point. And let's let's talk about Yarrow for a minute because he has been super impressing me. Um, just he's looked fantastic. a lot more confident back there the more time he gets. Well, one of the things I've noticed is his distribution skills have increased immensely. Yes, um, even from you know city two last year and then the first couple of games that we saw him with the first team he's a lot more confident um and his ball placement is better like there were several times even last night i noticed it's like he's not afraid to to send those balls now where before he used to always just make those little short passes mm -hmm. to the midfield mm -hmm. and then let leuven um send the ball up or let you know vasilev carry it 
and um, he's not afraid to do that now. And so I, I think he's a, a increased immensely. And he's always been with, a good defender. But that he's comes always been with fast. confidence. He could always come back. Oh, yeah. Making yeah. those passes comes with confidence, comes with getting enough minutes to feel like, okay, I, I'm not scared back here. I, I'm okay. I can take that extra split second to make that smart pass. Um, he is. He's very much stepping up into the the starting role that they've been getting him lately. I've, I've loved what I've seen from him. Well, yeah. and I think, too, his speed with able with his ability to get back, where I know some people have complained about Parker not having that speed to get back to cover. Um, Yarrow definitely takes up that mantle and, and can easily get back if somebody gets burned. Which is why the Parker-Yarrow pairing works better than say a Parker Bartlett pairing right. where yeah. there's a little bit of a different style there I grabbed a <clears throat> quote from Carnell last night um, his post game interview about Yarrow he said quote you see what a guy he is on the field and what a brave warrior and committed leader he is time and time again he's been silent he has not said a word being on the sidelines for so many months and he comes in and shows like he has not skipped a heartbeat he can fit into this game model extremely well, and he's loved and supported by everyone in this club, and it shows. He plays free, aggressive, and how we like our center backs to play. And again, he's a voice on and off the field. He's a great human being off the field as well. He's out in the communities more than anybody I know. What a guy. I mean, there were several quotes in that post-game um, presser last night that um, really struck me, and one of them you know, that really kind of got me in the feels was Carnell said, you know, sometimes there's moments of, sometimes there's moments that change your life. You find a purpose for why you play. Maybe Tim, meaning Tim Parker, found a new purpose. And then Parker later on went to say, I've said it before, I'm enjoying the game again. I'm grateful to be here. That's awesome. And like hearing that, like it makes you emotional. Even yeah. like think about it where it's like somebody like Tim who's been in the league for so often, you know, it's we love the game we love the sport you know it, it's entertaining for us but at the end of the day it's like this is their job and to hear somebody say like you know i i'm enjoying the game again like it just reminds mm-hmm. you that this is this is a job for them but it having that newfound energy which and you see it you know game in and game out with tim parker um i i'm, I'm so grateful that he's happy and i'm so grateful yeah. he's here and representing st louis and um yeah yeah i saw him when they were they after the game when they made their stroll around the stadium like they do their victory lap if you will and uh you know we were all yelling stl and as he was walking away his arms like he was doing stl yeah. with his arms he's proud. He was so excited he's proud he's happy yeah um Energized. and i'm i'm just grateful that he found happiness yeah, in st louis that's really cool so it's a good story too I mean, he's obviously earned it. He's a yeah. guy who's getting that opportunity and playing, absolutely living up to what we wanted. Uh, in the post-match press conference, there was another quote that I thought was really interesting. Sam Adenarin, um said, quote, Enter Miami, this was, I was like, wow. Because, because, again, I don't think in MLS there's really any terrible teams. They're really, I mean, D.C. United last year may have been <laughs> the example of a terrible team, but really there's, you know, teams struggle and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But 
you'll, you'll understand when I say this. This was his quote. Inter Miami, in terms of technicality, is one of the best teams in the league. And so, I mean, it definitely takes a lot of preparation on the staff's part and then also on the players' part, but I, I think we held them pretty well in this game. There were definitely times where they scared us a little bit. So the fact that even though Miami is uh, sitting at the bottom of the Western Conference, you know, it's never going to be a complete cakewalk for them. Well, the start of the second half, Miami had four incredible chances, including that game, the goal line save yeah, that Berkey right. had where he had to get over and they ended up reviewing it and the ball did not cross the, the goal line. But they they came out just like I expected from the locker room and were providing so much energy and so much attack and, and pressure on us. Yeah, it's because um, I, I think it's because they made Miami made two big changes at the half that I don't know why they didn't start them. Yedlin came in. Yeah. And Campana. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, when you have Campana and Joseph Martinez playing up top, it's like, why isn't that producing more than it is in MLS? Well, those this two is also alone ta- are just... Was this uh, Tata's second yeah. match? Uh, was it first or second? I don't know. I can't remember if it's... I or maybe it was his first. Yeah. I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. Either way, t- I, that shows, you know, he's. It's going to take some learning yeah. for him too. Well, you know? and I think, yeah. All right, you saw a lot of it, Miami. When they had the ball, they would get some good pressure. They they, they would string together streaks of passes where you're like, "This is a team that's moving the ball well." But they're a mistake-prone squad. We were noting oh, how sure. many times they made. They'd be on a run where you're like, wow, you know, they're clicking well. Everybody's working together. they got the short passes working. And then somebody would just pass the ball straight out of bounds. Not on a, like, oh, yeah. I see what he's going yep. for and just didn't quite send yep. the guy right. Just an ugly, like, pass straight out of bounds out of nowhere. They, they're they a team that's not far away, but they're making too many mistakes right now to be a good team and when we're arguing about are they a bad team or not if you're going to keep making a lot of mistakes at different points that kill your own pressure that makes it easier on other teams you know you can have a lot of talent because they clearly have some talent Mm -hmm. but they're mistake prone talent right now and i'm not sure that Messi knows what he's getting into because i don't think they're one player away from being a threat they are not exactly they're they need more of a rebuild than that, and I, yeah, I really do wonder. Especially on the defensive wonder. side. They I mean, besides no Yedlin and Martina, Joseph, like, besides the two of them, it's a pretty young squad. Yeah. So they are going to be more accident-prone. They are going to make those stupid mistakes or bad touches. And But that also means this is not something you can turn around between now and the end of the season. This is a longer-term That's term why you bring in a Busquets. Project. That's why you right. bring in yeah. all these other players that are going to be supporting Messi as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a, it's a team that has currently three or four good players now you're going to add Messi, probably Busquets but you still have those other five guys out there that aren't you know you are, still are, have to is their defense going to be able to actually stand up right. week in and week yeah. out and I, I don't think they are I don't think this is I, I think they need more than that yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they work with once Messi's out there with the if if he It'll decides make their to games... run Campana and Joseph Martinez with Messi right behind them. or It'll make their games interesting to watch, yeah. but oh, I don't sure. think it's going to... I don't think they're going to rattle off a string of wins no. here. I mean, they, they could maybe make the playoffs. They do have well, that chance of you know winning the 
League's Cup and what they're in the semifinals of the Open Cup, I think. So they could win a little bit this year. But the, the Open Cup thing is actually kind of intriguing because you never know what kind of lineup the other teams right. going to run out there. I, it could be fascinating to see what happens if they actually just keep their A lineup in the, on the Open Cup games. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. That'll be really interesting. Some stats from this one. City had 19 shots, 11 on goal. Never see it in the double digits, it seems. Yeah. Uh, Miami had 10 shots and 3 on goal. Some interesting facts after this one. City is now 11-0-2 when scoring first in the season. Uh, City leads MLS in set-piece goals with 18. Atlanta is second with 13. That's City, a pretty healthy difference right yeah. there. Yeah. City improves their home record at City Park to 8-3-1. The goals last night, that was Sam's third goal of the season. That was also Parker's third goal of the season, and he had only scored two goals in his in his eight seasons before coming to City. So when I think we average when we win at home is three games. Yeah. Three goals, excuse three goals. me. Mm-hmm. So it to continue that, it's just it, it it's pretty Yeah. It, on that, it, on that little uh, predictor thing on the app, you should always when it's a home game you should yeah, always, always guess goals. for three. <laughs> I actually I, I thought we were gonna give up like a a greasy goal at the end. So there. did I. So I, did I figured three, I did three to one. I fi- so did I. I. So did one. my wife. Yeah, we yeah. figured Joseph Martinez would score one Correct. or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, some little one was gonna sneak in there. But uh, glad for the clean sheet. Glad for Berkey. Um, you know, I he continues to impress. Obviously, and it's yeah. I am I'm, I'm so happy that both him and Tim get to represent City at the All Star Game. Absolutely. Very deservedly so. So speaking of, in case you aren't familiar, MLS will take a break from regular season matches for uh, first the MLS All-Star festivities starting this Tuesday with the skill challenges. And then on Wednesday will be the actual All-Star match in D.C. where the MLS All-Stars will host Arsenal. And that's at 730 on Apple TV. Who are you going to be rooting for, Steve? Well, uh, Berkey. (laughs) Berkey and Parker Um, they'll both be representing the city at that match so at this regular season break in action here's what uh, what's up with city here they stand at the top of the western conference with 41 points 13 wins 8 losses 2 draws with 43 goals for and 27 against let me take a drink those are some important stats yeah they are that goals for and goals against that to lead the league in goal differential going into the break is a huge thing right there. That is the most telling stat. It's so impressive. They are four points ahead of second place LAFC and four points ahead of RSL, who look really dangerous. And again, though, four points here, talking about more than a game of difference in the standings going into the for the conference, mm-hmm. going into the break, more than a game of difference. But then the first tiebreaker is wins. We've got three more wins than anybody else mm-hmm. in the conference because MLS is that weird where wins are the first tiebreaker and not goal differential. And then we have seven, we're plus seven more in the goal differential than anybody else in the conference. So we have a more than a game lead in the points plus healthy margins in the, the tiebreakers right now. Those are all... That's what shows you it's not fluky. If right. if this were fluky, 
stealing some points here and there and our goal differential was bad then you could say like well see all they've done you know they snuck a, a bunch of wins in but over the course of this many games what are we 23 games into the season yeah. if over the course of 23 games your goal differential is healthy you've got a lot of wins these are not those are not the numbers of a lucky team those are the numbers of a team that actually is good I've said that we need to be looking over our shoulder at LAFC, but let's not fool ourselves. RSL might be the team to really keep an eye on. And then, of course, there's Seattle, too. They currently sit just six be- six points behind City at 36 points. And from there, it drops down a bit. Austin, San Jose with 32. Vancouver, who's on a nice run of late, up to 7th with 31. Dallas with 30. And rounding out that final playoff spot, if the season were to end today, is Houston with 29 points. That's a tight bunching of who's in the playoffs the the difference between just missing the playoffs and being in third is is a mm-hmm. you know it's close right now here's city's leaderboard i put this together i won't go all the way through to so i don't bore everybody uh nico joachini leads the team with eight goals to go along with his one assist in 23 games played 19 starts uh Leuven is now second on the team with six goals and six assists in 18 games played 16 starts Jao Klaus, remember him, guys, um, is still up there. And look how impressive these numbers still are with his five goals and four assists in just nine games. Remember that? Five <laughs> goals, four assists in, in just nine, nine games. games. God, that was amazing. It's been a long time. <sighs> Jared Stroud, four goals, four assists in 20 games, 18 starts. Sam Adenarin, as I mentioned, three goals and one assist in nine games, four starts. Tim Parker with three goals in 20 games. They were all starts, and I'll round it off with Rasmus Alm, who has two goals and four assists in 17 games, 11 starts. I like the spread out scoring. Yeah. In the Western Conference League leaders, I'll just go with the top five in goals and then top five assists, just to give you an idea of how City players compare to the leaders. I thought that would be interesting. So this will be short, so bear with me for a minute. Uh, Buwanga from LAFC leads the West with 12 goals. Espinoza from San Jose is second with 11 goals. Jesus Ferreira is third with 10. Polito from Sporting Kansas also with 10. And Jordan Morris of Seattle with 9. And to compare that, Nico and Houston Dynamo's Bossy are next, both with 8 on the season so far. So not too far from behind. Interesting mix of guys who are in good teams and guys who are just the, the scorer on a bad team. Right. Uh, assist leaders. Houston's Hector Herrera leads the Western Conference with nine assists. Two guys from Seattle are tied for second, Chu and Lodero, both with eight. Espinoza, once again, from San Jose. The Galaxy's Ricky P- Poog. I can never say that dude's name. Ricky Pooge. And Colorado's Ronan all have seven assists so far this season. And if we go a step further, Leuven is tied with six other players from the West with six assists. So some really good stuff at this point in the season. And that's after missing a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now let's look ahead to the League's Cup. All right, this is the inaugural season for League's Cup, the tournament between MLS and Mexico. 47 teams total, 15 groups of three, with the top two teams advancing to the knockout stage. St. Louis is in the Central 1 group with Columbus Crew and Club America. City will play at Columbus this Sunday, July 23rd, and then host Club America at City Park on July 27th, a Thursday. 
All right, here's what we know. Columbus currently sits in sixth in the Eastern Conference with 36 points. Ten wins, seven losses, six draws. A league-leading 45 goals four, but have been scored on 33 times and are 8-1-3 and three at home. They have a potent offense. Zalarian leads the team with 10 goals and 7 assists. Christian Ramirez is still going strong at 32 years old with 8 goals and 3 assists. And Cucho Hernandez has 5 goals and 10 assists. They also have a young, talented midfielder in Aiden Morris who can provide energy with 3 goals and 3 assists. It's the crew's defense that seems to be the Achilles heel this season. And at a very tight and competitive Eastern Conference, it's what seems to be keeping them from being at the top or closer to the top. 15 points behind league-leading Cincinnati and 7 from 2nd New England. So what do you think about this matchup? I mean, I think this should be a good game. I'm, yeah, I'm worried about it on the road. I think if that game were here, I would feel mm-hmm. a lot better about it. Um, I think Columbus are a good enough team that us playing them at their stadium uh, worries well, me. They've only lost one time so far. Yeah. You're at home. Yeah, they've definitely impressed me this year. Yeah. Um, they're, I think, along with RSL, are like two of the teams that have surprised me the most. Um, I think it'll it'll be interesting to see how serious, I guess, if you will, um, each of the teams kind of takes it in terms of yeah. what the rosters look like, if they're treating it as a, you know, a, a piece of hardware they want to win, or if it's like, okay, we're going to treat this as a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. And we have no way of knowing it. Yeah. And, We've and, never and, been in this position. Nope. I mean, no one really has. It's a new tournament. But, um, yeah, the idea of the idea of Columbus going out in full force and St. Louis going out in full force, like, I, I just don't see that happening. So it, I don't think it's going to be as competitive as, say, a regular MLS season match would be. But, but, but what does the lineup look like? That's the question. Yeah, yeah. I think it would be good experience for some of the younger players. There. I don't – yeah, I think, I think City will probably run out – don't know if it would be like a U.S. Open Cup type. No, of I, but I think it's comparable. Mixed, but maybe. Yeah, I really do. I mean, do you think it'll be the kind where we'll see Lunt at keeper instead of Berkey? I mean, they've because you don't want if those are only two games between now and August, you don't want Berkey to have to sit on the bench, you know, for over a month. Yeah. You know, none of your guys. I think really. they'll as long as he's healthy. I think they'll play him. Um, I think that's one way to sort of at least have some somebody that you can like definitely count on. Um, I think you're still going to see like players like Indy Vasilev. Like mm-hmm. I think you're going to continue to see him in the mid. Um, but I think it'll be a good opportunity for some of those players like the John Bells, the Miggy um, players that mm-hmm. sometimes may not get the, the starting call up every time, um, get them some more experience. And the real thing is that none of us know yet. We're right. just, uh, it, it's all a giant question mark at this point because this is all new. Yep. And you also have to think about, you know, here we are. I mean, Columbus and City both have different situations at this point in the season. You know, City obviously sitting in first, wanting to keep a healthy squad, you know, wanting to stay competitive. So, yeah, it's that question is, do you go into this, you know, kind of wanting to win but if we don't it's okay you know yeah 
because let's just focus on the regular season. Because what do we have? What, 10, 10 matches left in the regular season? 11. 11. 11? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think some teams have 10 and some have 11. We yeah. have 11, right? Yeah. I think it's a 34-game season. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just there's a variety of different ways to look at it. I, I think City is focused on this season and, and proving the pundits and the skeptics wrong. Yeah. You know, you've got to... Everybody kind of looks to LAFC's inaugural season as like the 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 benchmark, right? You know they had they had sixteen wins in their inaugural season. What are we at right now? We're at thirteen. Yeah. yeah. So One with the, uh... with eleven games left, at the very least, three wins mm-hmm. can tie what is considered the high mark in the MLS for their inaugural season. One of the dumbest arguments I've gotten into online, somehow got myself in an argument online, which is always a problem uh, lately, was somebody Never complaining comments, that, that MLS, uh, well, this is what MLS does. MLS likes to script it so their new teams get oh wins. This isn't scripted, Bro. my guy. Which is, well, <laughs> but Tell other, the, other explain, than LA. Try to explain that to Austin. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he was trying to, I mean, he was bringing back Seattle, who've been in the league for well over a decade at this point. Like, well, remember Seattle were really good their first team. Since then, it's basically been LA were good, and uh, was it Atlanta? Had a, Atlanta, yeah, their really first good season. first season. Yeah. But then Austin and didn't, Cincinnati didn't. Everybody Charlotte. Else, Charlotte didn't. <laughs> uh, most teams have losing records their first season because yeah. they're expansion teams. So to say, oh, this is what MLS does it's to drum not, up it's, interest. It's it, not what they do. It's not. LA were the exception, and we have a legit chance to pass the number of wins that they got, yeah. which is a great benchmark to try to get past, to, to set a record for... It's very realistic now. Yes, that for the post... Uh, you know, since the era when MLS ended ties... Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. wins records don't really matter back in, you know, the early 90s, but, you know, mid-90s. But those um, those penalty shootouts. <laughs> oh, those were fun. I, all right, I like... Not a they fan. need to bring it back for playoffs, though. Oh, <laughs> the, the, the 35-yard penalty. Oh, uh, it's... But since they went to ties, 16 wins is a great number. And the fact that, yeah... the that is a minimum we should be looking at is 16 wins that if we don't get more than that, I'm going to be disappointed in the second half right. of our season. That, that is a fantastic benchmark to overcome. That would be a complete meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- this is a team that realistically you should, yeah, be looking at what 19 wins on the year. Yeah. Like that's what we're. And that's crazy to think about when they thought we were going to win maybe four. Yeah. Right. And when I say they, I don't mean our team. I don't mean people in St. Louis. I'm talking about the, the national the, pundits. The national the pundits. People who yeah. were predicting in the preseason. I mean, I was predicting us to squeak into the playoffs at the bottom of the, you know, come in ninth. Uh, I, I I thought would win more than, they, than the pundits were saying, but I did not think mm-hmm. we would be looking at, you know, yeah, how many are they going to win? 18, 19 games, 20 games? <laughs> what do you. It, it's a very different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, to circle back, because I know we've kind of gone off a little bit on a tangent, mm-hmm. but I think it's all still related. I, I think facing Columbus, I think, will be a fun match and a fun challenge because we haven't played them yet this season. Yeah. And then the Club America game. Yeah. Um, that's cool. That's going to be really big for a lot of our international fans who have followed mm-hmm. Club America for a very long time 
you know, they're one of the most renowned, you know, in the North American kind of area, one of the most renowned teams, huge fan base. Like that, that's exciting for those fans too. We, they're a very good team and, but we don't, again, we don't know what we're going to be getting. We're in our stadium. We don't know what kind of roster we're going to run out. We don't know what kind of roster they're going to run out. They've just, they're only a couple of games into their regular season now. Uh, I have no idea what that game is going to look like. You know, on paper, we should come in as heavy underdogs, but it is in our stadium against a team that, you know, they, they have the Liga MX season to worry about. Yeah, so I did a little bit of research because, yeah, I, I, not just for this podcast, but also I was really I thought we curious. wing it on this podcast. Do we what? Just, we don't just wing it? Yeah. I, I, I take some research. notes. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I take some notes. Uh, Nerd. So... <laughs> The thing with Club America, so they are one of the top teams in Liga MX. Um, Mexico plays a two-part season, kind of like they do in, what is it, Germany, I believe they do that as well. A lot of the Latin American team, uh, leagues do the, yeah. The Apertura, Apertura and Clausura, both with 17 matches. Um, the, the Clausura goes into the next calendar year, also with 17. Beyond that, I don't know anything about the league, really. The... Uh, Apertura season has just begun, so there's not really a lot of info stat-wise for how they're currently preparing. Uh, two games in for Club America with one win and lo- one loss. But last season, they finished the Apertura in first and the Clausura in second. Yeah, I so, mean, the, which is how they tried to seed the, uh, the yeah. League's Cup tournament. Uh, St. Louis is an expansion team, got seeded with teams that played well last year in Columbus and and Club America, that we were supposed to be the weak team that they got by being good teams. So that's actually kind of thrown off their seeding a little bit. Yeah, and we do actually know one player who uh, is somewhat familiar with City Park who plays for Club America. He recently played here with the U.S. men's national team. Alejandro Zendejas, the talented 25-year-old winger who has scored 16 goals and 52 appearances with Club America. Yeah, got to see him a couple weeks ago. That was pretty cool. Um, but beyond that, two things that City and other Elmos teams have going on for them is that all matches, I'm pretty sure, are played in the U.S. and Canada. So Mexico is on the road for all of their games, all the Mexican teams. And with their season just beginning, they're still, for lack of a better word, cold. Yeah, which is adds one more element of we don't know what we're going to get. Right. So this was fun, guys, but before we go, let's make predictions for the League's Cup games. Um, let's start out at Columbus. What do you guys think? Scoreline? Oh, gosh, that's tough. I I predict we're going to lose 2-1. to one. Okay. Oh, and I don't think there's draws. I think they go to penalties. I don't think draws are allowed. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read. So basically you're splitting the points, so it's kind of the, the rule NHL had for a while right. when they got rid of dr- ties and but then they've changed it since then so three points if you win you split the three points two and one otherwise right so regulation win counts as three points each team will receive one point if the game is tied after 90 and an additional one for winning it so yeah, yeah. you're splitting so you only the three get, points yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the, the okay. winner yeah. of the yep. shootout gets two yes. loser of the shootout gets one yeah so so after you're saying two one Columbus, uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go one nil Columbus. Hmm. 
All right, I'll I'll split the difference there, and I will say kind of uh, one all, and Columbus wins it on penalties. Is Perky going to be in goal during the penalties? <laughs> uh, uh, not for that match. Okay, Lunt will be the goalkeeper. Yeah, for that match is my prediction. Interesting. Lunt, Lunt, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, okay, then hosting Club America, what do we think about that? Uh, I think we come back for a win there. I could see it. Ooh, I'm going with the uh, regulation draw loss on penalties on that one. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like 3-2. to two. That's what I was going to guess. Yeah. I'm going with you. I'm yeah. going to stick with it 3-2. Yeah. All right. So then the question is, do we make it out of the group stage? I, I, I'm predicting no, just barely. Uh, I think it's going to be tight, but no. That's why I'm saying draw in the uh, Club America game. I'm, I'm thinking we get a point out of that, uh, and so we come away with one point. Yeah, yeah, it's a no for me. It's a, <laughs> no, gonna, it's a no for me, dog. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, and just like la- last episode, I'm going to say yes, we make it out. But we lose the first game of the knockout, and Jao Klaus makes an appearance and does score a goal. Whoa. That's a fun, bold prediction. But we still lose. What's the money line on that? <laughs> I don't know. Vegas has to have uh, you know something set up for it, I would think. Yeah. I, I, our running theme of the entire season is that I'm a terrible predictor, so oh, don't yeah. go by whatever I predict. Uh, this one I'm pretty confident on. I, Klaus will come in, score one goal. I'll trust yours over mine. Um, <laughs> Please don't. I, I, I'd like to see us make the knockout stages. Yeah. I don't really need to see us make a deep run because no. our guys no. could use some rest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But I'd love to make the knockout stage. Yeah, I agree. Okay, then. So that's going to do it. I think we've uh, we've said a lot here. I'm sorry you had to listen to me. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. thank you for having me. It always... Uh, always enjoy talking soccer with y'all and yeah of course man thanks for joining us anything you want to plug anything you're working on that we should all know about still writing yeah i um i still write for the the city team and so if you ever want to read my writing um i usually promote it on my twitter account which is at mp hafner h-a-f-f-n-e-r um, but yeah, you can find the articles I write on the city app as well as the city website. So I've got one that I'm currently working on that I believe I'm going to be turning in tomorrow. Nice. So I'll, uh, I'll leave you at that. And it's I'll say that it's very topical given our conversation that we had today. Ooh. I'll leave it at that. There we go. Good interesting, stuff. Interesting. Michael, thank you so much, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Great having you on. Let's uh, not wait so long next time to have you back. Just let me know. I'm ready. Awesome. Joe, thank you, sir. Uh, it's a great position to be at right now. I'm, uh, I'm always glad to come talk, especially heading into the break in first. Absolutely. So, well, thanks, guys. Thanks, listeners. Until next time, go City. Go City. Let's go. Okay.